of cancer patients. You're listening to the news on RTHK. U.S. researchers have announced a major breakthrough in efforts to harness nuclear fusion to generate power, one of the great scientific milestones. The scientists told a news conference they'd overcome a significant barrier producing more energy from a nuclear fusion experiment than was put in. The U.S. Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, said it was an astounding achievement. Scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition. And that is creating more energy from fusion reactions than the energy used to start the process. It's the first time it has ever been done in a laboratory, anywhere in the world. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has apologized to an opposition politician after using an obscene word to describe him during a parliamentary debate. The Prime Minister made the comment quietly to a colleague, but it was picked up by a microphone. And the Grammy Award-winning American composer Angelo Bartolomenti has died at the age of 85. He was best known for his evocative soundtrack to the popular TV series Twin Peaks in the 1990s. The BBC's Colin Patterson assesses his legacy. Haunting, ethereal and very memorable. Angelo Badalamenti's theme tune for David Lynch's Twin Peaks won him a Grammy and was a huge part of the TV show's success. He also became a favourite of many other acts, having written songs for Nina Simone, collaborating with David Bowie, and in 1996 teaming up with Tim Booth from James to form Booth and the Bad Angel, having a hit single with I Believe. The news from RTHK. Thanks, Andrew. Good morning. It is Wednesday, the 14th of December, and this is James Ross. Uh, in the headlines, U.S. consumer inflation eased in November, according to data released overnight, bringing some relief to policymakers with the smallest annual increase in nearly a year. The U.S. consumer price index jumped 7.1% from a year ago, down from 7.7% in October. That according to U.S. Labor Department figures. But the overall number is still about three times the pre-pandemic pace. The lower inflation figure is likely to fuel optimism for easing in the Fed's aggressive campaign as its policy-setting committee started its two-day meeting that is widely expected to culminate in a smaller rate hike. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has charged Sam Bankman-Fried, who was arrested on Monday with, quote, orchestrating a scheme to defraud investors in the failed cryptocurrency exchange FTX. SEC Chair Gary Gensler said Mr. Bankman-Fried built, quote, a house of cards on a foundation of deception, adding that the charges for alleged fraud were a warning for other platforms to comply with U.S. laws. Since 2019, FTX had raised more than $1.8 billion from equity investors. 
China has hit back against U.S. export controls on chips, filing a dispute with the WTO and escalating the tech war. The China's Commerce Ministry says its WTO complaint is a necessary measure to defend its, quote, legitimate rights and interests after the U.S. Department of Commerce introduced sanctions in early October to make it harder for China to buy or develop advanced semiconductors. China's complaint also comes days after that landmark ruling in which a WTO panel backed Beijing against Washington. Bloomberg reporting that Elon Musk is no longer the world's richest person. The Tesla CEO's wealth has been cut in half from its $340 billion peak, partly due to his Twitter purchase. And he's been displaced as the world's richest person by Bernard Onald of LVMH. Also on Bloomberg's radar, Apple is apparently preparing to allow alternative app stores on its iPhones and iPads, part of a sweeping overhaul aimed at complying with strict EU requirements coming in in 2024. Well, we'll be joined on the on the show today by Stuart Oldcroft, uh, Asian fund management industry consultant, uh, Christopher Lee, senior partner at AT Farron Augustine and Alexander Investments, and RTHK's international economic correspondent, Barry Wood. Don't forget, as ever, if you have any questions for our guests, you can email us at moneytalk at rthk.hk. Text us at 63935925. Um, our Facebook page is Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3 and on Twitter. We're at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Well, let's have a quick look at the markets and starting on Wall Street and stocks jumped on Tuesday on that US consumer inflation data. The S&P 500 ending 0.7% higher at 4,019. While the Dow was up 0.3% at 34,108, the Nasdaq bouncing 1% to 11,256. President Joe Biden reacting with cautious optimism about the U.S. economy, saying that the inflation figures gave, quote, a reason for some optimism for the holiday season and I would argue for the year ahead. Among individual companies, shares of Meta picks up 4.7% and Google parent Alphabet rose 2.5%. European stocks jumped the most in a month after those U.S. numbers came out, showing that inflation climbed less than expected. The stock's Europe 600 index gained as much as 2.3%, though closing 1.3% higher. Uh, traders paired bets on future interest rate hikes by the by the Fed and also the European Central Bank. Uh, real estate, retail and technology stocks led the advance. Uh, the UK's FTSE 100 gained three quarters of 1%. So Germany's DAX surged 1.34%. And France's CAC 40 up 1.42%. Hong Kong stocks ended on the front foot on Tuesday as traders welcomed the easing of more COVID measures here, uh, while they were also looking ahead to the release of that key US inflation data. The Hang Seng index rose 0.7% or 132 points to 19,596. The Shanghai Composite Index fell a fraction to 3,176, while the Shenzhen Composite uh, dipped 0.6% to 2,050. Uh, Tokyo's Nikkei 225, meanwhile, ended up 0.4% at 27,954. To the commodities market, uh, Brent crude currently up 3% at $80.43 a barrel. Uh, copper up 1% at $384.20 a pound. Uh, spot, coal, spot gold down a fraction at $1,810.64 an ounce. To the bond market and the U.S. 10-year bond currently showing a yield of 3.5%. 
to currencies and currently the euro buying a dollar and six cents. The US dollar standing at 135.59 Japanese yen. The pound buying 9.62 Hong Kong dollars uh, at the moment. Uh, the yuan standing at 6.95 against the US dollar. And Bitcoin currently at uh, $17,751.50. Looking at the Hang Seng futures, uh, showing the market uh, is going to open almost unchanged. And to the AX200, uh, and it's currently standing at 7,219. <laughs> It's 12 minutes past eight and uh, we welcome our guests uh, to the programme. First of all, uh, welcome uh, Barry Wood, who is RTHK's International Economic Correspondent uh, in Washington. Good morning, good evening, Barry. And good morning to you, James. Uh, nice to have you on the show, as ever, on a Wednesday. And we'll also say hello and good morning to Stuart Oldcroft, uh, Asian Fund Management uh, Industry Consultant. Good morning, Stuart. Hello, Stuart. Yeah, I'm here, James. Okay, there you are. Yeah. And also say hi and good morning to Christopher Lee, who is senior partner at Farron Augustine and Alexander Investments. Hi, good morning, James. Hi. Good morning, Hello. Chris. You sound a little bit distant there. Uh, please get close to the phone if you can. Okay, um, yeah. Let's mm -hmm. let's kick off, Barry, with uh, um, uh, a word perhaps about that inflation data and the importance ahead of uh, the uh, Fed's decision, which I think is coming out um, overnight tonight at uh, Hong Kong time. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, inflation uh, down a bit? Yes, absolutely. Look, inflation is subsiding. And uh, that is uh, impressive news. For example, the report that came out is only one-tenth of one percent increase of the consumer prices in November. And year over year, the inflation rate now has fallen to 7.1 percent. That's the best report in 12 months. And that's a sure sign that uh, the inflation pressures, which probably peaked back in March when we reached 9 percent plus, is coming down. Now, will that continue? Probably. We saw that uh, fuel prices were down, uh, natural gas prices were down. So this was an all-in-all -all very good report. And I'm sure that uh, Mr. Powell and his colleagues on the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee are very happy as they approach their uh, press conference and rate decision in less than, well, 16 hours. Yeah, indeed. And uh, the inflation, of course, is still three times what it was uh, pre-COVID, uh, of course. So there's still a big change, isn't, isn't there, in the last um, uh, two years? So still not very good, right? Well, that's true. But the trend is the important thing. And this really does show that the interest rate rises, which are really unprecedented. We haven't had this pace of interest rate rises from the central bank since the 1980s and Paul Volcker. And yes, I know there's a expected to be a big lag in, the, in how monetary policy takes effect. But I think those lags have been greatly diminished. The fact is that since the Fed began to act against inflation, the inflation rate has steadily dropped. So yes, you're right, James, but I think the trend is your friend and the trend is downward. And, and would you say that the Fed is now going to be in a position to take credit for bringing inflation down? Are they going to be strong enough to uh, say that this, this is in, it is interest rate induced to, to, to get inflation down like this? Stuart, you know, that 
your comment reminds me of what um, uh, Chairman Arthur Burns said many years ago. He was the Fed chairman. He said, yes, we have independence as long as we don't exercise it. So I think that Mr. Powell is clever enough not to take credit at all. He will simply say that uh, the economy is performing in a way that is um, going very well. But in line with their expectations, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and President Biden, of course, overnight uh, um, uh, making some positive comments, uh, almost as to, to the sense that perhaps uh, he eventually wants to take a little bit of credit for it, uh, Barry. Yes, absolutely. Look, this is the way politicians do things. And, um, you know... It, Earlier on in 2022, the Democratic leadership and certainly President Biden were alarmed by what um, Chairman Powell was doing with these fast pace of very substantial interest rate increases. Now the expectation is that the rate increases will slow. And you can probably look ahead two or three months, Stuart and James, and say, well, there'll be calls for um, in the Congress to have... Um, Mr. Powell resigned because why are you still raising interest rates? And even if it's a slower pace because the economy mm. is likely to slow. So far, it hasn't. And that's been the really good news. The unemployment rate remains very low. Jobs are being created. The economy continues to grow. Not as fast as it was, but that's, that was the intention. So, Chris so far, so good. Christopher Lee, you're a regular visitor to the U.S. Uh, what, what, yeah. What's your view from the, from the sidelines? You're in Hong Kong, of course, at the moment. I was uh, in the U.S. last month, and uh, the trend was uh, definitely our friend, and it's definitely trending down as well. I think just uh, back to uh, Barry's point earlier, that uh, by tonight, I think we're going to hear the uh, the conclusion. Uh, most likely, I think the street is estimating 50 basis points only. And so uh, by probably uh, second quarter of 2023, hopefully that will be the end of this um cycle of raising interest rates. So there's quite a bit of optimism, I think, uh, because the prices are not going as high as it was going. So uh, things are under control. And I would give some credit to uh, Mr. Jay Powell as well. Uh, it's not entirely just the uh, the political move, but uh, there was quite a bit of a substantive, uh, I think, action behind this. Guys, do we think that um, the interest rates, though, will uh, raise, rate rises will stop after this one? Or what's going to happen in the first quarter? Stuart, your thoughts on that? Well, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what Chris is saying. I think that we will see interest rates continue to rise in the uh, new year after the, after the next one. And those rises perhaps will be less extreme. I think if we're expecting 50 basis points um, tonight, we might get uh, a, a few more rises, maybe 25 basis points a time, but we'll see them through to maybe uh, June, and then we'll see, have to see what happens then. But, and it, and it is a big but, one of the consequences of these uh, interest rate rises is, of course, designed to slow um, the rate of inflation, but it also will have an impact on the economy because borrowing costs are going up, and that also will slow down the rate of purchases for uh, goods, services, and homes. And I think that that, that that might have another consequence on the economy as a whole. And I think that's when um, we could see 
uh, some degree of uh, recession occur. It certainly is, is the case in Europe that uh, there is a recession going on um, in, in many countries. I think that that's quite likely to be the case in the United States too. And then that recession will start to be reflected in, in stock market attitudes. So we're not out of the woods by any means. And don't think for one moment that we're all in the clear. Uh, that is not yes, I agree with that, Stuart. I think that uh, you, we must remember that U.S. interest rates are still negative. We've got uh, federal funds, the short-term central bank interest rate at 3.75. It's probably going up to 4, 4.5 even, but inflation is at 7. So those are negative interest rates. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, gloom and doom uh, coming out of the UK, and as Stuart says, there, you know, the the, the uh, feeling in Europe is is uh, quite down at the moment, and uh, uh, the weather, of course, really bad at the moment in Europe. What's the mood on the street, Barry? Would you say in the US at the moment about um, you know the, the economic state of the nation? Good. It's certainly better than expected. I mean, the doom and gloom, and I don't diminish at all what Stuart is saying, there's still a lot of danger ahead, particularly when those higher interest rates, higher borrowing costs take effect. And they probably have only been felt so far in the housing market. But uh, this is much better than expected. We haven't reached a recession yet as we approach Christmas 2022. And I think with luck, the Federal Reserve might even be able to avoid the recession through these higher interest rates. So I don't think the mood is sour at all. It's better than it was uh, six months ago, nine months ago, or even 12 months ago. Christopher, we're, we're seeing quite a lot of, or hearing quite a lot of talk about inflation um, mm -hmm. in Hong Kong and in, in this part of the world. Um, yep. But it doesn't seem to be quite as bad, perhaps, here as it is in the rest of the world. What's your, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I think we should all feel pretty good about Hong Kong uh, today. And because of the news yesterday, uh, Chief Executive uh, John Lee is lifting all the COVID restrictions. Mm. And uh, we all know that uh, here in Hong Kong, people are mentally and physically exhausted in the last couple of years. And uh, we've been financially suffering, too, because stock market's down here today. And uh, as you see, economically, we lost productivity. But there's definitely upside, right? So we are seeing these uh, new measures that will actually uh, promote a lot more activities and tourism. I think um, in the last two years, things have been very difficult for everybody here in Hong Kong, probably with, with, with two exceptions. I, mean, I think, you know, one sector of the economy doing a lot of uh, tutoring and also, uh, uh, I think, coaching and mentoring students. I think they ramp up their businesses by doing Zoom sessions, right, instead of doing in-person sessions. And uh, some of the, uh, the the global equity portfolio managers that maybe uh, Stuart is familiar with, I mean, they have become much more productive as well. But those are the two only exceptions. But Hong Kong as a whole, I think, uh, is uh, seeing really um, positive signs. So uh, we should all feel uh, pretty good about it after uh, December 14th. Absolutely. And uh, I think people can't uh, re remove those leave home safe signs fast enough. Uh, just this morning, I can't see a single one out there. They're coming down quicker than uh, uh, than ever. OK, let's move to another uh, topic. Um, overnight, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission charged uh, Sam Brinkman, uh, Brinkman Freed, who was arrested on Monday with uh, with fraud, basically. Um, this, you know, obviously is a, a huge story. Uh, in the crypto world. Barry, you know, is this something that is going to affect the regular investor? What's, what's the, 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 the thinking on this? 
It remains to be seen, James. Uh, we need to see how big this is going to be. I mean, it could be losses of $30 billion. Uh, Mr. Uh, Bankman-Fried is in jail in uh, Nassau in the Bahamas. That's just off the coast of Florida near Miami. Uh, he's going to be returned to the States. He was supposed to testify in the last few hours. That was canceled. So we don't really know how big this is. If you compare this, and, and, and the man who's currently running this uh, crypto exchange, he was in charge of the bankruptcy of Enron, the energy trading firm, back in 2001. Oh. Those losses were $74 billion. Mm. I don't think this is going to be that big. It's not going to be like Bernie Madoff, but it may be. The real question is, does one crypto exchange, and this is outright fraud. You can look at the charge sheet from the SEC and the... Uh, law courts in uh, in New York City. It, it's quite amazing. It's just outright fraud and theft and, and embezzlement. But we don't know if it's going to affect all cryptos mm. or if it's just going to affect the crypto coin that was issued by FDX. Stuart, what, you have thoughts on this? Well, uh, yes. I mean, I, I agree with what Barry is saying. I and mean, the, prob the problem with the crypto world is that the crypto world is, is somewhat um, divorced from the real world in some respects. And people would have been mm. in denial right up until the last minute, uh, as indeed was the case with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Mm. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is that, yes, he, he must have um, uh, done a, quite a lot of things, um, not least because uh, I believe it's over $200 million was spent on executive bonuses and other other um, expenditure mm. out of the business without necessarily it making the profits that were, were, were being deserved for that. So, yes, I think the, the whole point of it is that um, he, he's, he, he led a business that has uh, lost about $30 billion of, of investors' money, and he's now facing the consequences. And it's probably a good mm -hmm. thing that uh, he has been arrested uh, mm -hmm. in Bahamas and, and able to be taken back to the United States because he was certainly likely to be a flight risk and disappear somewhere in the world if, if that hadn't happened. It doesn't make me mm -hmm. keen to invest in crypto, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right, James. <laughs> I'm in here, James. So I, I yeah. think that point I agree, because you're pointing out the fact that digital asset as an asset class doesn't really equal to the fraudulent behavior of one individual here, yeah. which is uh, Sam Bangman Free. And... Um, so just like Elizabeth Holmes is found guilty and sent to jail, and she doesn't represent the entire bio, biotech industry at all, right? So mm -hmm. I think the lesson learned here that I've been hearing from all my friends in venture capital world is that uh, a lot of big investors like Sequoia Capital and Blue Chip VCs who invested in FTX, right, probably did not do enough homework. And also, I mean, VC is a risky business. We know that half of their companies and most of their portfolio companies do not actually make it to uh, to the public uh, marketplace. But uh, this is just one individual. You know, I think we have to be very careful in terms of differentiating the fraud charges that he is uh, facing, which is uh, misallocating client money and then using that to really fund part of his uh, trading arm, the Alameda Research Division, right, which is basically the trading side. And also Sam has a very sterling, uh, you know, resume with um, great education and started his career at a market leading market uh, trading companies. And he's a global citizen, lived in Hong Kong and also uh, lived in Macau. 
And just because he has a resume that is uh, so outstanding doesn't mean that he's going to be a good business person and law-abiding citizen. Yeah, I guess I guess you know we sort of some of us perhaps sort of think well maybe he's just he's just made a lot of mistakes and he's just not really known how to handle it. But was there really an intent to defraud? And and you know that's that's well, I guess, now, James. Well, mm. I, I think you have to add here that this is a, a man who was trained in mathematics. He's age thirty, and John Ray, who's now running this uh, this exchange, says there was no record keeping at all. He was buying athletes. He was buying. Uh, his name. He was trying to get very light regulation from Washington. He wanted to stay out of the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, rules. Uh, and, and he was spending lavishly billions. And of course, his parents are involved. They were law professors at Stanford. They're, they're in the Bahamas with him. They say they're going to go bankrupt if they have to pay legal fees. So th- and, and don't forget the other element. He was the biggest contributor after George Soros to the Democratic Party in these just concluded midterms. So there's a lot still ahead of us on this. Yes, I think it's going to make fascinating reading to exactly. see this court case <laughs> develop. <laughs> and totally, I think it's going to be uh, mm. it's going to be a bit of a soap opera to, to some extent. Yeah. Um, just before we close, that you know, let's t- turn to this uh, story uh, that Bloomberg is reporting that Elon Musk is no longer the world's richest person. Uh, the Tesla CEO's wealth has been cut in half from its three hundred and forty dollar uh, billion dollar peak, partly due to the Twitter purchase, and he's been displaced as the world's richest person by uh, Bernard Arnault of uh, LVMH. Uh, Barry. Uh, how is Elon going to take that? Well, <laughs> who knows? The, the, the point is, you know, he, he went to a concert in San Francisco the other night. He was booed by the audience for 10 minutes, apparently. He couldn't speak. He, he's devoting all of his time to Twitter. And this ties in, in a way, to what's happening with uh, FTX uh, crypto, because uh, he is now really turning Twitter upside down. People who are in the Democratic Party or in the left of center politics in the States, they despise Musk because all of the revelations that are coming out about how the former Twitter operation disbarred certain people from presenting their views. So there's much more to be known here. As to whether he's no longer the richest man, I think he could care less. <laughs> uh, Stuart, do you, you know, any thoughts on, on Tesla and, and the business? Because uh, it's still doing pretty well in China, isn't it? And, uh, yes, well, hmm. I think probably Tesla will probably do better without Elon Musk actually running it. Um, and that seems to be the case. Although uh, one of the downsides of Tesla is that they do seem to have a lot of faults with their vehicles. And that, that could be a, a quality control issue which, um, you know, in the inexperienced car manufacturing world that Tesla is in, um, will certainly count against them as time goes forward. Well, thank you very much to our guests this morning. Uh, That's Stuart Olcroft, uh, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. Also to Christopher Lee, Senior Partner at Farron, Augustine and and Alexander Investments. And of course, Barry Wood, RTHK's International Economics Correspondent in Washington. Uh, great session of views there. Just before we go, uh, look at the S&P ASX 200. Uh, currently up uh, 0.2% at 7,216.
Uh, Hang Seng futures indicating the market uh, here in Hong Kong opening almost unchanged. Uh, looking at the weather, a cold and cloudy to overcast with a few rain patches. Temperatures will linger around 13 degrees during the day. A moderate to fresh northerly winds, occasionally strong offshore. At first, the outlook still rather cool with a few rain patches in the next couple of days. Uh, winds will strengthen from the north and it will become cold appreciably over the weekend. Uh, currently, it's 12 Celsius at the observatory, 93% relative humidity. Back chat is next with uh, Janice Wong and Brian Wong. Uh, first of all, let's get the news headlines from Andrew. The chair of Hong Kong's largest political party says she hopes the latest easing of COVID measures sends a strong signal to the central government and mainland society that Hong Kong is ready for a gradual reopening of the border. But Starry Lee from the DAB says she's doubtful that quarantine-free travel with the mainland can resume by the Lunar New Year in January. I have confidence that it will take place gradually, but whether or not we can achieve it freely, I would say, quarantine-free, before doing the new year, I think, uh, I hope that it can happen. But at least if they can increase the quota and release the business and, and family-related travel first, I would say it is very good news already to us. Ms. Lee also said the mask mandate should be dropped as a last measure as it helps prevent the spread of viruses, not only COVID. She also supported keeping the daily rapid COVID testing of students and teachers. Lan Kwai Fong Group Chairman Alan Zeman has welcomed the latest easing of COVID restrictions, meaning the scanning of QR codes under the Leave Home Safe app is no longer required, although a vaccine pass is still needed to enter high-risk venues such as restaurants. New arrivals also no longer face so-called amber code limits on places they can visit. Mr. Zeman told RTHK the measures will probably be too late to see a boost in tourism over Christmas. I think it might be a little bit late. Most tourists, I'm sure, have already made their plans uh, uh, for the Christmas holidays, which is just around the corner. But uh, especially uh, come Chinese New Year's in the first quarter of, uh, to second quarter of next year, uh, I think tourism will be back. The airport needs it really, really badly. Researchers say a new type of personalized vaccine to treat cancer has produced promising results during trials. The experimental therapy is based on the same mRNA technology that was first used in a COVID vaccine. Just over 150 patients took part in the trial, conducted as a collaboration between two pharmaceutical giants, Moderna and Merck. The chief medical officer of Moderna, Paul Burton, said the results were promising. It's the first randomized trial testing an mRNA therapeutic in, in cancer patients. It's shown a 44% reduction in the risk of dying of cancer or having your cancer progress. That's an important finding. And I think it has the potential to be a new paradigm in the treatment of cancer patients. U.S. researchers have announced a major breakthrough in efforts to harness nuclear fusion to generate power, one of the great scientific milestones. The scientists told a news conference they'd overcome a significant barrier, producing more energy from a nuclear fusion experiment than was put in. Ricardo Betti is a professor at the University of Rochester in New York. This is a, definitely a major breakthrough in the field of nuclear fusion. So this is the first time that thermonuclear fuel, hydrogen isotopes in this case, have been ignited. A simple way to look at this is to think of gasoline in an internal combustion engine, in a car engine. Gasoline is compressed by the cylinder. 
in the cylinder by a piston and it is ignited by the spark from a spark plug. Well, this happened, but uh, instead for gasoline, it happened for a nuclear fuel. The founder of the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange, FTX, has indicated to a court in the Bahamas that he will fight extradition to the U.S. The U.S. authorities have filed eight separate criminal charges against Sam Bankman-Fried, including wire fraud, money laundering, and conspiracy to defraud. He also faces civil charges of misleading investors. Michael Driscoll of the FBI addressed a news conference in New York. Bankman-Fried knowingly defrauded customers of FTX through the misappropriation of customer deposits to pay expenses and debts of, of a different company. In addition, Bankman-Fried executed deliberate transactions designed to obscure and disguise the misuse of customer funds. He preyed on his customers, the victims of this case, abusing the trust placed not only in his company, but in himself as the lead of that company. A French court has found guilty seven men and a woman in